Hey everybody, welcome to the Climbing Sycamores podcast, uh, where we look at today's topics to get a better view of Christianity. I'm Annie Beagie, and I'm joined by my friends Ben Sadler and Matt Harbach. Okay, hey, we're actually in the studio today, guys. This is really cool. The digital studio is coming along and... Um, Michael Babbler's putting together. He's the only. I think he's probably got the best design eye so far Thank when it goodness. comes to like putting things together. Better yeah. him than me. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Yeah. We we just look what a do lot you think cooler. About this design. The, yeah, the wall. You helped out with that too, huh? That's yeah, mine. Did nice. you? Yeah, it's really nice. Good. Yeah, the sound panels. That's good. Well, we are responding today to an email we got. Um, so, someone from our congregation. She's been. Noticing on her TikTok feed and and on other social media feeds how people are publicly talking about their deconstruction of their faith. So we thought today we would listen to a couple uh, videos of people talking about why they left Christianity, what their problems are with Christianity. And I think this is really important because this is where people are getting their theology. This is where people are getting their understanding of Christianity. So if you're watching these videos in isolation and then they just keep on feeding you more and more and you have nobody to stop you and kind of ask some deeper questions i could see how a person could lose their faith in 20 minutes just watching these over and over again so i'm really thankful for the question and uh yeah anything you guys want to add before we watch our first video yeah um yeah just real quick i kind of um i'm probably the most tiktok savvy of the three of us so um i spent um, you know, a good amount of time kind of looking for these videos and, um, it's really quite depressing. (laughs) So, um, I'm glad that we're taking the time to talk about it. Um, yeah, I guess we can maybe just play the first one. I remember when I started to really question my faith was, I was watching a YouTube video of Richard Dawkins, like this is 15 years ago. And it was a longer, it was like one hour of him talking at Berkeley and everybody's laughing at his jokes against Christianity. So I could see how this could be even more dangerous. You know, I had to follow his longer argument, which it really wasn't. It was more just making fun of Christians, but it's for a long period of time. These videos are so punchy without any real explanation. I think they can be even more dangerous uh, because there's so much emotion behind them and so quick. Yeah. You know, time to process it. So yeah, and I think a lot of people are talking about their personal experiences too. This one, um, this one, this girl, I mean, you might want a pen. She starts uh, listing a bunch of uh, biblical inaccuracies and she does not necessarily cite all of them. So I will uh, play that. All right. Bats are not birds. Genesis says that the universe was created in six days, and yet the universe is calculated to be about 13.8 billion years old, whereas Earth is 4.5 billion years old. A little bit more than a few days difference in there. The Bible says that Earth has four corners and floats on water. There's no evidence of a global flood. And not only is there no evidence, but there is not and never has been enough water in the Earth's atmospheric system to cover all the land masses on the planet. The Bible says that God created man as is when it's been proven that man evolved. There's no linguistic evidence for the Tower of Babel story. In Leviticus, insects are described as having four legs. Insects have six legs. The Bible said that the mustard seed is the smallest seed. It's not. It also says that ants work independently from other ants when it's pretty well known by now that ants work in a colony. Rabbits don't chew their cud. 
the Bible gets the value of pi wrong. The river Gion couldn't have flowed from Mesopotamia and surrounded Ethiopia. Ur is mentioned as a Chaldean city during the story of Abraham, but that city didn't exist until a thousand years after Abraham lived. Moses is named Moses by an Egyptian princess because of a play on word in Hebrew that means pulled from the water. Why would an Egyptian princess speak Hebrew or make a Hebrew pun? Moses talks about Palestine in the Bible. Palestine wasn't called that at the time. Deuteronomy chapter 7 verses 17 to 19 talks about the kings of Israel. Israel didn't have kings at the time. The Bible also says that a seed must die before it can grow. It also says that snakes eat dust. Um, it claims that rainwater does not return to the sky. And one of my favorites, it says that if a cattle sees a striped pole while it's pregnant, the offspring will be born striped. Do you need more examples or are you good? Oh. Okay, so so there you have it, folks. I feel, uh, Ben's like scribbling ferociously over here. I love it. I love it. I, I, uh, I was pretty, uh, pretty convinced that the Bible was true. I am not sure anymore. <laughs> Help me. But I think... Oh. What the power of this is uh, a lot of sarcasm, a lot of uh, kind of um, pride and, you know, arrogance to it. And so, you, you know, you're supposed to be made feel st stupid. There's no time to react. And so what we're going to do right now is just kind of react. I scribbled on as many as I could. Um, and by the way, I, when, when we air this podcast, I'm going to comment on her thing and tell her to come listen to this. That'd be great. Yeah. So, uh, you know, a lot of things have to do with evolution um, or how you interpret Genesis chapter 1. I think there are lots of ways to interpret Genesis chapter 1. Uh, and one of them is understand, like, this is a beautiful, organized account in rebuttal to the Egyptian account. Moses is writing to respond to Egyptian creation stories. And Egyptian cre creation stories said that everything came out of chaos and that humans are um, are really kind of the maker of all things, and and gods are are kind of like humans, you know. The the it, and what Moses seems to be responding to is say, no, there's a God outside of creation, um, God outside of this world who's organizing this world, and he's putting things in the order that it needs to be. Uh, what's beautiful about the account is there is a lot of things. She was messing around with evolution, um, you know, saying that things evolved into different kinds of plants. And we don't have any any evidence of macroevolution in the in the um, archaeological um, history. You know, you look at archaeology when you look at um, species. We don't have any physical um, evidence that a fish turned into a bird, evolved, you know, across different different um, kinds. And the Bible says things were created according to their kind. So that's, you know, we, we don't have the missing links that, that supposedly, uh, you know, Darwin was saying, when we find those, that will prove my, my whole theory. We don't have that. So that's just one, one picture. And, and I think to be fair, like, I mean, they have, they have fossils of, of creatures that have gone extinct and um, yeah, that you can say sort of bridge the gap between two, two different species but again, it's just like you can't, no one can prove that. And that's sort of like, that's yeah. the safety behind the millions or even the, the 4.5 billions of years is that it, it's like, how, I don't know how you can claim that is true. Right. No one, you, if it's like, it, it takes so long, no one can possibly see it. And it's some like, of the, well, that's, that's 
awfully convenient. The Darwin's kind of tree of life where things are simple and they become more complex as things macroly evolve from a whale to whatever a land creature. Um, actually, what they found is uh, that tree of life is actually upside down, that there were more species and things have kind of... Um, They've simplified. They, they they haven't they haven't gone from simple to complex. They've gone to complex to simple, uh, because now we understand about DNA. Things lose information. Uh, they, there's no way to actually download more information to have something that doesn't have wings to get the genetic information inside of it to all of a sudden start having wings or going from a sea creature to a land creature. Yeah, there's amphibians, things that can bridge the do both, but we don't have any evidence of things that those transitional animals that would prove uh, Darwinian's theory. Um, so, that, you know, and then the, the, the joke about, or what, you know, it's all kind of, she's very joking about insects are described as having, what do you say? Eight four, like, four, four legs, four legs. in the Bible, according to her. Uh, also, uh, she didn't cite, as one point, she did not cite a, a scriptural. Uh, right. And these are do, ancient. Do we the, know what verse that's referring I'm to? I'm sure it's in, in uh, Leviticus. When Leviticus is talking about clean and unclean animals, oh. well, they're not using the same Hebrew. They're not using the same terms that we're using in our in when, when we categorize animals and things like that. I mean, they're using Hebrew terms, Hebrew categories, ancient categories. They don't have our modern categories, and so that's just silly. You know, we were trying to oh, when you do translation. You're trying to look at a context and you're basically guessing what word you think it is because we don't have a we don't have a dictionary for ancient sure. languages. So you throw in, oh, they must be talking about an insect here. So it just shows a lack of understanding of how translation works. Yeah. Um, another thing, you know, again with translation says, well, they mentioned Palestine, but Palestine didn't exist then. Well, much of the Old Testament was finally edited in the second temple period, so about five, six hundred years before Jesus. And so it's kind of like today, if, if I were updating an ancient history of Franklin or, or Milwaukee area, I would probably put in there modern um, landmarks to tell you, the reader, who's living now in, in 2020, uh, 2022, <laughs> in, you know, in the 2020s and in, in, in now period, I would, I would give you modern day landmarks so that y- you would understand where we are. I'm, and so the reason they're mentioning Palestine, because that's when the final editors finished the Old Testament. They went back and they edited a lot of these landmarks so that the current readers would be able to know where those landmarks are. Um, as far as whether or not, you know, again, same thing with Ur mentioned. Ur, you know, first of all, we don't know how old some of these cities are, uh, and so that's that's pretty naive to, for her to say that we know Ur was not was not there uh, during the time of 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 Abraham and the time of the Chaldeans. But again, that could have been a later reference to a location. Same thing with Moses, the naming of Moses. Who says what, who knows what the original name that Moses was that the Egyptian, um, the Pharaoh's daughter would have named Moses 
but he probably translated whatever his Egyptian name is into Hebrew when it was written down. And who says she doesn't know Hebrew? Well, yeah, it was it was probably <laughs> oh, Matt. <laughs> it, it was probably some kind of Ugaritic term, and then again, things were translated into Hebrew. Just like Jesus is a Greek way of saying Yeshua, which is the Hebrew name. Christ is the Greek way of saying um, of saying Messiah, Messiah anointed one. And so, and Jesus didn't even speak Greek, he spoke Aramaic. And so they're taking Hebrew terms that they were probably spoken in Aramaic, and then they translate them into Greek because at that time when the Bible was circulated, most people were speaking Greek. So it's just, you, you don't understand history as if the authors didn't know what they were doing. They, they knew exactly where these places were. They knew how to but they were writing for the, uh, the benefit of their current audience, not for those ancient audiences. Just like, uh, you know, lots of, if we watch like a modern day Shakespeare movie, a lot of times they update a lot of the language so that we can understand it, not using all of the Shakespeare in English because we don't speak that way anymore. I felt like the thing about like snakes eating dust and the mustard seed being the smallest like I think those are those are just like literary devices. Like saying oh, a snake crawls on its belly and eats dust is not to say that it's actually like subsisting on earth. Right. Right, right, right. But the fact that it crawls on its belly means its head is always in the dirt. Yes. Right. And it's 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 a curse. Yes. And so right. that's I mean, we still say eat my dust. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um Do you mean literally eat my dust? <laughs> like I don't eat dust. Can I survive on dust? <laughs> and then the like the Jesus says, like, you, the, the mustard seed, it's, it's the smallest seed and yet becomes the biggest tree. Like, he's not saying, like, There's there will never no. be a seed smaller <laughs> than the mustard seed. He's just saying, like, think of the tiniest thing that most people would know about at the time. and yet In that it, area. In that area, and then you plant it and it becomes a big tree. Like, I think that's... She's she's leaving things out. Well, well it's just it's just like it's, you're taking it very literal, and it's like I, he's using like an example of something that people would know about, like oh, a mustard seed. I know what that is. That's a tiny, tiny little seed. Is it like the smallest little? No, it's there's there's maybe things smaller than a mustard seed, but it's it's not. What the was the intent of the author? You know, yeah, and. And it's the Bible is not a scientific textbook. It's not so concerned about getting everything scientifically correct. It's a, a narrative about our um, about our relationship with God, and it's historical. But they're they're not the, these categories of of animals and of 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 all of locations and places. These things change over time, and they're writing. Those authors were writing in their time for their people. The same thing with this whole idea that the cattle. Oh, I love this. Yeah. Please, so, please. So this is the story is Jake. The story is of Jacob. Isn't it sheep? Yeah, and it was sheep that his he was trying to get his sheep aroused. So whatever there was an old wives' tale at that time that if you had them look at like peeled back barch or birch birch trees that the birch, that they would get aroused. And I don't know what that had to do, but this was, this is literally 4,000 years ago in another part of the world. You know, like we have weird things that our grandma told us. Homeopathic yeah. remedies for things. Yeah, and- like what at you, 
what we how we think the world makes sense and so it's just accurately describing what they yeah. thought in that time that's about, not like a god said thing that no. was just a thing he did right it was just part of that cultural time and god blessed their cattle and and in his and the offspring i mean like there was the sheep he blessed uh, that because he was blessing Jacob because God always promised, God promised to bless Jacob as his uncle Laban was trying to um, deceive him and, and take advantage of him. And so again, um, the Bible, God came to these people in their place, at their context, in their understanding. He didn't give them a 21st century understanding of science or history or biology. He came to them where they were at at that time to speak to them in a way that they would understand. In the same way, God speaks to us in a way that we understand right now and how how he might reveal himself a hundred years from now is going to be different as well. So I think that just, just seems to be uh, naive. Uh, I wonder if there's anything else here that really stood out. There was uh, several issues with the flood account. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Oh, not, a, um, not enough evidence. There's not enough support. evidence. And I, I guess I don't know what evidence you're looking for. Like they have like, like w- they have found like things like um, like the fossil record where it's sort of upside down and they mm-hmm. found whale bones in the tops of mountains and things like that. It's like, I don't, I don't know what kind of evidence you're looking for. But the, the idea that uh, there's not enough water to cover all the land... It's like, well, not the land as it is now, maybe, but, and, and, you know, I don't know how literal all this is, but the, the Bible describes like the, the Lord, like, um, like he, he opened up the, what is it? He opened up the, the great deep and the waters yeah. and burst forth from, from below, not mm-hmm. just from rain. Yeah. And so, um, however, however you want to describe that. At the, at the very least, the, the, the topography of the, the planet as it exists now, as exists now could, could very easily have been different, yeah. meaning the, the oceans aren't as deep, the mountains aren't as high. Yeah. Now everything's a little bit flatter. Maybe right. there is more water. Maybe there is enough water, right? Because it's, you know, it's not all... Yeah, I mean, like, what if every... I, I don't know. I'm not a scientist, but I, I wonder... Um, why the Grand Canyon is so jagged and why the Rocky Mountains are so jagged, those seem to be something that happened quickly. And and many people look at that like Grand Canyon goes down, Rocky Mountains go up. You know, that kind of, that happened at the flood at a quick amount of time. Uh, and and you think, oh, that's silly. How, how could that happen? Well, if you look at Mount St. Helens, um, there is a little Grand Canyon that happened because of Mount St. Helens. And that happened right when Mount St. Helens erupted whatever 30 years ago and it looks exactly like the grand canyon it didn't happen over millions of years it happened immediately with that eruption and so um yeah who knows and, and who, it, it it seems pretty naive to 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 say you know exactly how things happened the way also the way that the flood is described it's described as a decreation so it takes the seven days of creation and kind of undoes them. And so there's some literary design there that, that the author is trying to make a point through how it's designed. Again, I don't know if it's trying to give us exact camera footage of how it exactly happened. And when you look at things so literally without appreciation, appreciating the, 
the author's literary design, uh, you're, you're missing so much of how the Bible is put together. Yeah. And I, you know, I want to point out kind of what, you know, like, why are we doing this? I, you know, I'm maybe sometimes I feel like I want to stick it to people, (laughs) but at the same, but you know, at the end of the day, this, this is where people are getting their theology from is TikTok. Um, it's not accurate or at least it's not a complete hundred percent truth, whatever, whatever's being said here, mm-hmm. uh, by this, by this girl. And this is yet, you know, and I'm looking at the comments and people are praising, Oh, the intelligence and Oh, so good. And I'm like, well, but, but no, not yeah. exactly. You know, right. I, I think we encourage questions. We appreciate these questions. Yeah. We, like we want, we want to bring people to Jesus. We want to bring people to an understanding of, Christianity in its most real form. And so I think that this is kind of why we're doing it mm-hmm. and why we're addressing these topics and these TikToks. I hope people step back and think, oh, one other one was the Tower of Babel yeah. and, and how, again, there have been tons of, of, of evidence of ziggurats that we have. What you is know, that? A ziggurat would be like a, like a, like a, pyramid kind of structure that that they these ancient structures that were built uh and they were supposed to be built high in the sky so that the gods could come down the gods could walk down these structures uh supposedly and it's interesting in that text they said it says that god comes down almost to make fun of uh what what they tried to build and it mentions the, the name actually for this town is not just Babel. Um, it's, it's kind of a plan where it's actually Babylon. And so this is kind of the origins of Babylon, which again goes way back in history. And it's almost kind of making fun of how Babylon, a, a thousand years after this or a couple thousand years after this, tried to set itself up as God, especially Nebuchadnezzar, and how it fell very quickly. So it's not not only kind of talking about historical event, but it's making fun of the nations that were to come. And again, if you don't understand um, the literary design, if you don't make those connections, you think that this is all about video camera footage of these ancient stories. The authors know exactly what they're doing. Uh, there, there, There's so many levels to this, and it's not just about... Um, historical accuracy in the sense, I, I do believe they're historically accurate, but they're also telling a deep story about human nature, about, um, and about God's, God's interaction with humans. I thought she mentioned that there wasn't any linguistic, like there was, there was no evidence for the Tower of Babel as, or Babel, whatever, yeah. as, um, yeah. in terms of like language. Oh, that there was one language and then it moved. Into I don't all know. These that's, I thought that's what she. I thought. Yeah. I thought she said right. for the oh that it broke apart. Ling- that yeah, like the linguistic origin of all those different. Uh, okay, yeah. The the Genesis chapter ten is the table of nations, and there there I think there's some debate as to whether it really was all the people in the whole world were in that one place. Now it says that, but very often the Hebrew uses exaggeration. Like, man, everybody was there. You know, if you say something like, oh, that, that, that party was great. Everybody's at that party. Well, not literally everybody's <laughs> at that party. Um, because in Genesis chapter 10, when they tell the table of nations, they said, uh, this group of people is here and then they were divided. 
And so some people think that this was a, a large portion of the population, but not necessarily all the population at that mm, time. Okay. Um, so that's one way to, to understand that, and that's in the text, and that's up for a debate. But we do... Uh, the, the crazy thing about historical records of human beings, they only go back six, 7,000 years ago. So if you look at the Babylon history, Babylonian history of, of ancient people, of, of, of the Egyptian history of ancient people, of language, of all these things, they only go back to about this time. So, and, and they all started and kind of, it all kind of goes back to kind of Northern Africa, Middle Eastern territory, right? Iraq area, right about where they said this was supposed to happen. So I don't know where she's getting this, um, even outside evidence of, of, uh, of history of, of humanity kind of points to a similar story. And there's also flood narratives in ancient Babylon, Babylonian histories, and, and basically all ancient stories talk about a flood. Well, yeah. why are they all talking about a flood? Either it happened or it, why would they all be talking about the same event when they're not, they're not getting it from uh, the same source? They're, they're looking at the same event, but they're coming from very different cultures. So that's, that's pretty fascinating to me. Oh, there's something else I was going to say. By the way, we have totally put Ben yeah. on the spot oh. here. Like, literally just <laughs> kind of listen to this. and defensive, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but well, I, no, but I think it's pretty, it's, it's cool that you can kind of pull this up you know, just from your, your studies and your, you know, over the years, because I certainly could those not. eight years, those were worth it, right? This is about all, this is about all I can do. <laughs> <laughs> it, well, and I, I think, I think it's important for people to realize that if you want to hear a certain message, you can hear a certain message. Right. Yes. And if you, I mean, it's just like, uh, same thing with YouTube algorithms. If you, if you only watch a certain type of video, you will keep getting fed the same certain type of video. Yeah. And the thing is, if you never hear a different point of view, you don't even know what you're missing. You don't even know why that person could be wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And that's the danger with like deconstructionist stuff is it like especially deconstructing faith is it always comes with a lot of anger or, or that comes out in the form of Hurt, sass, yeah, yeah. <laughs> sass yeah. and sarcasm. And so, I mean, people are people they feel cheated by their by their upbringing, and so they 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 attack it. Yeah, I guess you're deconstructing to what? That's so. What are you going to construct after you deconstruct? That's my big question. Where are you going to go? Who's going to love you? How are you going to uh, respond to the demons inside of you? How we understand demons? Uh, how are you going to respond to guilt and shame? Uh, what's your purpose in life? Uh, where are you going to go? You know, it's Jesus asked that question to his disciples, you know, hey, everybody else is leaving me. Do you want to leave me too? And Peter responded, where are we going to go? Who else has the words of eternal life? You have the words of eternal life. And, I don't think oh. they've thought that far ahead. Yeah. Right. And, that, and that's too bad because uh, endless chaos, endless deconstruction uh, leaves people hopeless. Yeah. And the other thing is, I mean, no, I don't think anybody is 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 teetering on the edge of the transforming love of Jesus Christ over historical details like this, or scientific details, or lack of evidence. Yeah. No, no one is like, I, I would be a Christian, but I I just can't reconcile the years. It's like, if God wanted people, if God wanted to make it hard to find Him, 
and he wanted to say, you know, you, no one will be able to find me until the year 1800 when Charles Darwin has this theory, or no one will be able to find me until someone invents telescopes. So you can actually see the heavens. Like, that's not a loving God at all. Mm-hmm. He says, if you want to find me, you just pray. Mm-hmm. I am right here all mm-hmm. the time. Mm-hmm. And so for people, it's like you're looking for God's footprints. You're looking for a piece of his hair, for his DNA. Where is he? And um, there's a famous quote uh, that someone said. They, um, and someone There was a famous atheist, and someone asked him, um, if you die mm-hmm. and um, you find out God is real, what will you say to him? Mm-hmm. And he says, why did you go to such lengths to conceal yourself. Mm-hmm. And that's really sad. Um, but I don't think that's someone who's really looking for God. I think that's someone who wants their version mm-hmm. of God. They don't like the the God that mm-hmm. that's there. Yeah, I think, you're, I think you're right. Well, and I think part of that is because of all of the baggage that it's tied to Christianity right now and to evangelism, um, I'm going to read from this article. I got to look up the source here because it's an article that came across my homepage on MSN and came across today. Deconstruction or reconstruction. Um, pastors discuss a reboot of evangelicalism. And so uh, basically, they held a conference in the last couple days. Um, Center for Pastor Theologians at the Reconstructing Evangelicalism Conference on Monday in Illinois. And so um, they've noticed that there's a recent trend among evangelicals to deconstruct the faith they grew up with, examining core beliefs and often rejecting the conservative politics, sexism, and radical, or sorry, racial divides evangelicalism has come to be known for. And so I think we're seeing this rise because of all the things that are linked mm-hmm. to Christianity. Um, you know, certain political parties or political figureheads and ideologies um, and, and things that that stands for. And so some of these people, you know, they're arguing that evangelicals should be tied more to theology than to politics, and we're not seeing that. Like, that's what we're seeing, and I feel like mm-hmm. there's this rise to deconstruct because of all the things that it's associated with. And go ahead. Yeah, I think... I think it that could be one reason that it's associated with. I, I think it's multi. There's many reasons that. Um, for the for for many people, they get to college and the smartest people they know are in front of them, telling them they're stupid for being a Christian, uh, and and all of a sudden they, they don't have any of the any of the they don't have these answers. They have no one else to, to go to. They don't know what to do with this. And so they, they leave. It's, they don't want to be known as a bigot or a, whatever it is, uh, you know, prejudice or, or any of these kinds of things. And so um, they walk away from it. I think also um, maybe they got a rigid view of Christianity where they didn't have, there was no room to look at the literary design of the Bible and appreciate that, that if you look at it so literally um, and you you have this view of the Bible as this, um, your, I know growing up, the, the church I went to was very polemical. Like we, we said, we have all the answers. We're the right church. We have figured out doctrine. And anybody who has yep. a different interpretation yep. of Scripture than we do 
uh, is wrong. And then all of a sudden, you start meeting people that you like, and they're nice, and they have a different interpretation of the Bible, or they actually have no biblical background at all, and you like them, and it feels like your faith was built on a straw man, that we have it all together, all of our doctrine is clean and crisp and, and irrefutable, um, and then you start having some questions. So I think there needs to be some room for people uh, to explore the Bible, mm-hmm. appreciate the Bible on its own terms, and maybe you need to dis- deconstruct from a historical perspective. You know, just like scientists get things wrong, like we thought 20 years ago, you know, we were all supposed to be eating salt tablets before a, a basketball game or something like that. You know, we used to, and science evolves, and not that theology evolves, but, but for like the reformers 500 years ago, they were fighting different battles than we're fighting now. And if we use somebody's theology that they were fighting a battle 500 years ago and we're fighting a different battle today uh, uh, on morality and gender and, and sexuality and, and things like that, we need to look at the Bible with fresh eyes. I think it's still going to say the same thing. It's, it's always the, it's, but, it, but how we apply it. And I know if I would have kept my rigid view of us having all the goods and everybody else being wrong, I probably would have, because de- I have deconstructed from that belief. I've learned from so many Christians outside of the church I grew up in, and I've appreciated, and I don't have that same view that we have all the goods and everybody outside doesn't. And I, I So I've had to go through a deconstruction, but I, I landed in a more solid place, and I guess that's the part that, um, you're th- like this video we just listened to, um, she puts up all these straw men, and I don't believe those. You know, so yeah, if if I believed what she's saying and she undermined those beliefs, then I would have to leave my faith. But I don't believe the things that she's saying. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't believe that Moses is telling me that that's Palestine. I believe that there was later writers, and and I think some people who have a rigid understanding of the Bible would say, no, Moses wrote the final version of the Old Testament thirty four hundred years ago, and there was never any later writers who did final editing. Maybe I need to Well, the change. oldest oldest uh, copy of the Old Testament is like from the year 1000, isn't it? Correct. But um, we the Dead Sea Scrolls actually oh, yeah, went yeah. behind went back to th- that's what we had before the Dead Sea Scrolls. And then when the Dead Sea Scrolls came, they went back to about Jesus time. Mm. And we found out that there has been no changes in the Old Testament since Jesus' time and then a thousand years later, which is which is incredible, really. Mm. So I guess before somebody deconstructs because they heard a TikTok video, ask yourself, are they putting up an argument that I have to believe anyways? Because maybe they're making an argument that I don't even have to I didn't have to believe in the first place. Um, and they're saying, oh, you Christians, you all believe that this. Well, maybe we don't believe that. Yeah. So, uh, that, that, yeah. So anyways. I, I, I think that anything worth believing is worth debating. Yeah. So, I mean, don't, sh- I don't shy away from, I would say never shy away from people who have these sort of reservations yeah. or accusations. Yeah. Because they, 
they there's always there's always you know they they could be bringing up a very good point right and, and maybe they don't understand something but maybe you don't understand something but if it is worth betting your salvation on it's definitely worth talking about it's worth you know pastor spending an extra four years in school learning old languages for yeah because like you said I mean we we do take the Bible literally in the sense that we believe it's God's word but again there's diff- there's there's like a hundred different translations so it's not like you can say every single English word is what God wrote Correct. And it's uh, no of course not every single English word you know that's that's one of the biggest things that I have found most helpful in so many of these arguments you could probably throw away all these arguments if you just ask the question who were the original authors what was the culture that they were writing in and what are they responding to? If we think that the original authors are 21st century authors who are responding to 21st century scientific questions in the West, then they're wrong. But if our authors are ancient authors in the Middle East responding to Egyptian or Babylonian origin stories um, using ancient ideas and terms that still apply to today. I mean, this all still applies to today. Um, but have a little bit of cultural sensitivity. Have a little bit of, you know, don't be so narrow-minded. To, you know, I, I think that's that's a big thing. <laughs> Hit him with the cultural sensitivity. <laughs> well, <laughs> one other illustration that I found really helpful, like if you go into a, 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 a grocery store in the West, you know the, the peanut butter is going to be by the jelly. Why? Because we make peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. You go to an Indian grocery store, and the peanut butter is going to be in a different place because they use peanut butter and peanuts in their stir-fry or in some, something totally different. So they have all these connections to things culturally that we don't. And so so many of these things are, are cultural connections and cultural customs that if you don't step back and ask the question, where are they, you know, where is this from? Who are they writing to? What, what, what are they doing? You'll just totally miss the point and you'll mm-hmm. end up making some of these silly arguments. And, and, and of course, you know, none of these ever mentioned Jesus. Maybe, right. maybe you could, but I mean, you, if you're going to, if you're going to start flushing things down the toilet, you really are going to have a roadblock when it comes to Jesus. Like he's, the, he's the main character of the whole story and mm-hmm. he was uh, you know, if if you're gonna say that Jesus didn't exist, I mean, you can you can get rid of a lot of other history too. I yeah. mean, he's there, he died, and then a few hundred people saw him after he died, and that's that's pretty incredible. What are you gonna do about that? And then they all died, saying they saw him alive. They they were yeah. martyred people for their faith. Just you know, lit on fire or or yeah. eaten by lions, like dying in horrific ways, saying that they saw Jesus alive, and it's like. I don't know, one heck of a conspiracy theory. <laughs> right. And people, I, I've said this before, I had a teacher who told me this, and it was that people will die for what they hope to be true. You know, a, a, a radical Muslim might strap a bomb to themselves and die because they hope this is true, but nobody will die for what they know to be a lie. Mm, so if right. they knew Jesus didn't come out of the grave, they wouldn't die for what they know to be a lie. And other thing about Jesus, that what's so incredible about the Bible is it is this, it's not like Scientology that has sprung up in the last whatever, hundred years or not even the last minute, um, where it doesn't, this Bible 
is this ancient story stretching thousands of years, and it's unified in Jesus, that I can look at Leviticus and all of those sacrificial practices and see how they connect to Jesus. I can, I can, every single page at some level traces back to Jesus. So that's what's so crazy to me is that you have 30 plus different authors, but three plus different languages that it was written in, um, all these things, and they all unify into, in, into the story of Jesus. So, so what do you think, um, if we look at the reason people seem to be deconstructing mm-hmm. their faith, whether it's because they were hurt, um, they were raised in a church that was mm-hmm. corrupt, or mm-hmm. you know, there's a lot of reasons, or just because of the political baggage yeah. that's tied. Um, what do you think we, as a church, need to be doing to yeah. reconstruct um, cause I guess for me at this point in my, I don't know, evangel evangelism would be to try to debunk all of the baggage and the stereotypes that are mm-hmm. associated with Christianity. Right. So I'm not the, I, I, don't, I don't even want to politicize it, but I'm not, you know, I, I'm not tied to a political party. Mm-hmm. I'm not, um, you know, I want to be for people. I don't, mm-hmm. you know, I want to abolish racism. I, you yeah. know, like it's things like that where people just assume if you're Christian, you're a racist, you are mm-hmm. a Trump supporter, you are, um, you know, uh, anti, you know, you're pro man. Yep. Um, yeah. and, yeah. and, and so these are all the things. And so I guess for me personally, as, as a practicing Christian, I yeah. want to use whatever mm-hmm. I have to be able to debunk some of these things so that, you know, we hopefully see, yeah you know, less deconstruction. I think something else too, this article mentions is that any reconstruction of evangelicalism must include a more robust understanding of human sinfulness. Mm-hmm. While evangelicals often focus on personal sin, they tend yeah. to miss the way that power can be misused by sinful church leaders or movements. Mm-hmm. So I think we need to acknowledge not only, mm-hmm. you know, our faults, but mm-hmm. the faults that can happen at, you know, at, at a church level where people are getting hurt because sure. they're being exploited for money or mm-hmm. whatever it is, you know? Mm-hmm. So I, I guess that's kind of like my take on what we need to be doing to try to yeah. fix this. That's great. Yeah. Uh, Martin Luther, the the reformer, talked about the gospel being like a rain cloud that moves from one continent to another. And it does seem like for hundreds of years it was in Europe, and that rain cloud then moved to the United States. And now if you go to Europe, uh, the percentage of Christians is very low. But in the southern hemisphere, Christianity is booming. It's booming in India. It's booming in Asia. It's booming in China. It's booming in South America. Uh, So it looks pretty dire here. Um, I think I think it's a wave that's been building for a hundred years, going back to yeah, maybe a Darwinian perspective that led to a F- Freudian perspective that that had um, you know a Darwinian thing like oh we don't need God anymore. We figured out the origin of life without God, and then um, and then Freud says okay. Uh, now the, the goal is not to be moral or be good. The goal now is to be happy. So how can we touch all the f- pleasure centers of our b- brain to be happy? And, and so I guess I'm saying is that be realistic about how much change we can make, that the, this wave of culture has been 100 years coming. It's now it's cresting. And so it, all, it feels like it's all at once, that everybody's leaving at once, but it's been, it's been forming for a while now. Um, 
but you go to you know people who are in china right now all you have to do is like sit down at a at a mcdonald's at china and pray and you'll have 10 people around you are saying tell me about jesus you know, now you have people you pray at McDonald's now and they may get some thrown at you or something or kind of look at you differently. They're not they're not hungry here. But I think what we're doing here is one of the most important. It's got to be a multi-faceted uh, thing. It, it can't just be one conversation. Uh, it's got to be action. It's got to be podcasts. It's got to be sermons. It's got to be studies. It's got to be uh, a chat at the bar. It's got to be helping out your neighbor. Um, and I think we can kind of slow down this 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 wave but um but it, you know i think it's been a long time coming yeah i i think the 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 idea of individualism is a huge the, there's like so many cultural values that go against christianity uh of of radical individualism um yeah therapeutic righteousness that that i I have the right to be happy and anything that's keeping me from happiness is an outside problem so I like that in that article, it says that we need to have a rigorous understanding of sin. I think that's what Jordan Peterson, that's why he's become so popular, is he said, one of my goals is to try to convince people that in the Holocaust, you wouldn't be the helpless victim, but you probably would have been the soldier. Like, to look at yourself and recognize you all have potential in you to be evil and selfish and wicked. And nobody else is saying that. I think that's why he's so popular. He's saying something no one else is saying, but we know deep down it's true. Yeah. So I think we're doing what we can. Um, but we understand the arguments, uh, helping people. I really like what the Bible Project's doing is trying to put the Bible in its historical context. So I think that can be a huge help for people is to, to stop having such a narrow 21st century view of the Bible, but have a historical view of the Bible. I don't know. What do you think, Matt? What can we do? Uh, I'm, I'm, I, I think you said it all there. Um, you, you have to, you have to believe it, and you believe it by living it, um, not just saying it. Yeah. Um, belief it has to, it, uh, you know, an act of faith is belief. It's not just, it's not just reading and then spitting off answers. Yeah. You know. I think also the power of prayer. Um, I don't know if. It seems like Philip was praying when God placed him by the Ethiopian eunuch in the chair who's who's coming home from from Jerusalem. Uh, pray that God would open up doors and then give us the words, and that there would be no ordinary conversations. And uh, I also like what Rosaria Champagne Butterfield. She's got a book that it's entitled "Gospel." The gospel comes with a house key, house key. You know how can we open up our lives uh, to people and uh, let people in? and show radical generosity and grace uh, to people who don't believe the same things. So I think that can be helpful too. Do we want to watch another video or? Do we, we probably we don't good? have time, okay. but I, I think we should, you know, kind of continue to do this because I, from what I'm seeing, I mean, it's, it's pretty sad. Like some of the, and, and I think, like I said, again, for me, I, I want people to have what I have right. in Jesus, right. the hope you know, the, the, the joy, mm-hmm. the, the knowledge that I'm going to see my loved ones again. Like I right. want, you know, the ones who have passed, I, I want other people to have that. Right. And so like, that's why, you know, I'm not, I don't expect to gain favor with mm-hmm. God if I convert somebody right. or, you know, I'd like, I just genuinely want other people right. 
to feel the way that I feel. So that this, I know, you know, maybe we come off as like, we're kind of attacking these videos, but I mean, in a way, like, yes, I would like to, I would like to debunk them and I would like to, you know, have evidence to say, no, you're wrong. You're wrong here, but here's why I want you to be wrong about what you're saying. It's because I want you to have what I have. Right. You know? And so I guess that's kind of why, but I I think we should continue to do this once in a while. I think so. I think it's a huge need. This is in the past, somebody in the middle of Nebraska or somewhere, even middle of Wisconsin would never have heard these kind of arguments until they had been raised in their family in God's word. And then they finally go to college and they hear these and some people would get picked off. But now because of YouTube and TikTok, you know, people who are 10 years old are hearing these arguments and they don't have the spiritual maturity or even maybe the community to, to help them walk through this. So I think this is a really, really important thing. Um, I think, Again, just to the way to debunk this or whatever to understand this is to understand what the Bible actually is, what's it trying to do, who was it originally written to, and how does it still speak to us today? And I think so many of these so-called arguments kind of walk away or go away. Yeah. So I pray for this this woman and 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 it's it you I don't know are there. Are there Christians who are this bold on TikTok that are talking about why they believe what they there believe? There are, yes. Okay. I have seen, and I've, I've seen some that, um, you know, they'll, they will, like, you know, respond or do it like a stitch or something with, okay. with someone, um, and they will address, okay. you know, and they'll, they'll get heavy with it. And yeah. so I've seen both. It just seems like there's so, this movement is kind of like, it kind of gives you a community, like you're part of the deconstruction community, and you get kind of welcomed into this gang and you want to be part of this community and, and you're praised for how much you have don't believe in Christianity. And it's just kind of a strange... People f- like to be angry. That's yeah. what I've been saying. It kind of builds on itself and yeah. it's always good to fight against something. Yeah, there's an, you can have endless amount of energy when you're angry. Mm-hmm. You can be angry all the whole time if you want. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's really sad. It's a really powerful emotion. Well, we'll pray. I, I hope this helps. Please, you know... Email us, respond us uh, if, if, if this leads to more questions um, and that we can, I'd be happy to, anytime anyone emails us, I try to respond with an email and a phone call or whatever I can, uh, especially if you're struggling, especially if you're doubting. Um, I think there are really good answers out there. Ben will call you. I'll sing you a song. Matt will <laughs> record the song. Yeah. All right. <laughs> That's all I got. <laughs> That's good. Later. If you'd like to get a hold of us here at the Climbing Sycamores podcast, feel free to email bsadler at victoryofthelamb.com. B-S-A-D-L-E-R at victoryofthelamb.com. If you like today's intro music, it's been brought to you by Andrew Lynch's song, My Name, Hello. Hello.